0: This is the Six Figure Home Studio Podcast, episode one. You're listening to the Six Figure Home Studio Podcast, the number one resource for running a profitable home recording studio. Now your hosts, Brian Hood and Chris Graham. Hello and welcome to the very first episode of the Six Figure Home Studio Podcast. I am your host, Brian Hood, and I'm super, super excited to bring this podcast to your earbuds today. The entire point of this first episode is just for me and Chris, my co-host, which you're going to meet in a second, to break down the why behind this podcast. What is the point of it? Why do we want to do it? What is in it for you as the listener? And I think we touched on a few key points today. Um, We may have gone off on the weeds in a few areas, but the gist of today's episode is this. The industry has changed drastically over the past five to 10 to 15 years. And that has opened up some massive opportunities for you as the listener, the solo home studio owner or soon to be home studio owner. And we dig into that more into the episode. The other thing that we talk about in this episode is how much educational resources like podcasts have been crucial to not only my success, but my co-host's success. And to just give some sort of brief introduction to my co-host, his name is Chris Graham, and he runs a website called chrisgrammastering.com. He is a fellow six-figure home studio owner. And I chose him as my co-host because he is super knowledgeable about a lot of areas in business and life leadership paid advertisement Systemization automation and just being a decent human being. He's smarter than me. He's more well-educated than me He's got that college education and the man likes to talk which is awesome for podcasts You will learn a lot more about Chris in a future episode where I actually interview him But that's enough for now Without dragging this intro out any further, let's just go ahead and move into the actual episode right now. Let's talk about this. Why do we need another freaking podcast in the recording studio space? What are we doing that's going to be different than anything else that's out there? Why do we need another podcast? And why do people want to listen to this
1: podcast? I would say um, what this podcast does, the other podcasts don't do, Um, And more specifically, what an education in audio won't do is we address the lie. And the lie is, if you build it, they will come. If you are good at something, people will hire you. And all you need to have is passion. And that's enough to do art for a living for the rest of your life. I wish that was the case.
0: I wish it was that easy. Oh, yeah. But how many of us know... And you maybe, if you're listening right now, you may be one of them How many of how many of you guys know or can think of someone that is awesome at what they do In the creative space, whether it is recording or something else or an artist or whatever and They're not successful. They have no success the starving artist mentality What is it that makes the successful one successful? It's not always talent. It's not always ability. What is it?
1: Yeah, and you know talent's certainly an important ingredient but it's quite secondary to these other skills. At least it was for me. You know, like I was, uh, when I first got started in audio, like I was pretty good at it. I was better than most, uh, but I was a dirt poor because I made stupid decisions. And my stupid decisions, while they were like dedicated to making great art, ultimately made me make less art because I was so poor. You know, me and my wife, our first year of marriage we made $18,000 combined. Oh my god. In our first year, we were dirt poor, but I still was spending thousands of dollars on gear that didn't make that didn't make me any more money. It was just this like, well, Were
0: you playing were you playing the debt game back then? Were you buying it on debt or were you actually saving money for that off that measly income? No,
1: we were we were so frugal. We would actually pay Ooh. cash.
0: So still smart, but just poor.
1: Just so poor. You know, we were living in the hood, and the, the oh, excuse me, I, I didn't mean anything offensive by that. Not the the, the hood.
0: <laughs> I take offense to that desecrating my family
1: name. <laughs> we were living in a not so excellent part of town, uh, and you know, renting from a friend who was great. But you know, I would I'd get a client, you know, here and there, and I would bring them to my house and show them my completely crappy MacGyver studio, and you know, think, oh, they're hiring me because I I totally dropped two grand on my vocal chain last week even though we're gonna have even though you know we can only afford to shop at aldi for groceries
0: so you're talking about this is the mentality a lot of people fall into and it's i bought xyz gear i bought some crazy preamp or some crazy compressor but why why aren't people hiring
1: me yeah and like that that was really it for me like when i first started out in audio was yeah if you build it they will come if i've got x y and z then people will hire me i just i, the, I never understood like getting people to hire you is, is it if you're going to make art for a living you have to be able to get people to hire you and there's there's no point in having and being number one in your class at x y and z audio school or number one in your class at x y and z legit for your bachelor degree where you major in audio none of that matters in the real world if you don't know how to get customers and how to keep customers and how to get, you know, your customers to tell their friends about you.
0: Preach it, Chris Graham. Preach it. So let's talk about this for a second. Okay. This is why I wanted Chris Graham. For you guys that don't know Chris Graham, we're going to explore his story on the next episode. But I wanted Chris Graham as the co-host because A, he's interesting, he's knowledgeable, he's experienced, and he's a fellow six-figure home studio owner. But he also has a very different background than me as far as his education. He is... College educated. I didn't go to college. I didn't have no college education So I wanted a smart man on my podcast as a (laughs) co-host but (laughs) So here's the situation though My stance on college is very anti-college chris has a mixed opinion on it however uh, He can share his opinion however. He likes and he can slice and dice it however. He wants but at the end of the day I don't think it's a wise investment to go to college for audio engineering specifically because To take that money and i've talked about this in past emails i'll probably even make a video or article or something about this because if you take that money and that time and that effort and you spend that time and money and effort in the city like nashville or la or new york and you put it in a real world application where you're meeting people you're recording bands and you're just doing it instead of waiting it for it to come to you you're going to be much better off in the long run than someone who goes into massive massive debt now however i will say this if you have a scholarship and somehow it's paid for you already Uh, And you don't have access to put that money into your studio instead or do some other alternative thing Go for it. Do it if that's what you're passionate about but I just think there are very few scenarios where uh, audio engineering degree makes sense um, Especially because they just don't teach you how to actually run a business or how to make this a profitable endeavor in college They don't teach you this
1: not any that we're aware of there might be some colleges out there that really have a strong entrepreneurial intertwinement, you know with their audio program but I I don't know of a single one. I
0: well, I put an email to my mailing list and I got Dozens and dozens 20 30 40 replies to people about their experiences really long replies. I read all of them Almost every single one of them were negative as far as college for auto engineering There are people that had great college experiences and there are always there's there will be a time for college for certain careers and certain paths but Almost overwhelmingly it was negative and they were in a lot of debt And it was actually some really sad stories that I need to pull out and kind of uh, discuss at some point because they're things that I I Need to see people need to see that perspective the college the college American dream thing is something they sell you In a lot of situations where it doesn't make sense It's a it's a it's a huge moneymaker for a lot of universities And I just don't think it's right in in most situations for at least audio engineering Uh, Again, my friend, uh, one of my best friends, Trevor, he did a double major. He did an audio engineering major, and he did a computer science major. He's doing nothing with his audio engineering major, and he's making a killing off of his uh, computer science major. Co-founder of a company now doing really well. So there are places that you can do well with college degrees. I just don't think audio engineering is specifically one of them. I think the old model is dead, where you used to go to college, you get... Uh, your degree. I don't even know how long audio engineering programs have been around, but you would go intern at a studio for a while. You would work your way up. Eventually you would get to be engineer there or assistant engineer. And then eventually, I mean, it it was an old model that worked in the seventies, eighties. Those were when they had the gatekeepers doing everything or they had control of everything. And now you have control over it yourself. And a lot of people aren't happy about that. And home studios have bad reputations. And some people hate home studios because it's putting some studios out of business. But at the end of the day, you can't fight the change.
1: Totally. And I totally agree with everything you said. I think if you, if you're going to college and you're doing it without debt and you're majoring in audio, ideally you're double majoring, you know, like your friend Trevor did. Mm -hmm. So you've got, um, you know, something else to fall back on. But yeah, I mean, the the big thing to, to keep in mind here with education is the point of a college, their job, what you're hiring them for is for them to give you what you will need in the future. Nobody knows what the future of audio looks like. That's the, the the defining overarching theme that everyone agrees on in our industry that nobody knows what 5 years looks like from now.
0: They're unable to keep up with the industry. They're they're antiquated in a lot of what they teach. They don't teach the things that you're going to realistically need to compete in today's audio at a level and a, a, a having the maintaining the overhead, aka your monthly expenses, keeping that low. They teach you how to work on very expensive gear that you will not be able to afford for a very long time without going into massive debt And when you come out a lot of times they don't you don't have a clue or at least you don't have the good uh, Knowledge based on what to do on a cheaper level or at least your idea of what is acceptable in the studio is skewed because you've been working on Such nice gear for Mm, so long. Yeah, and again, I want to say this I didn't go to I don't I don't have an audio engineering Audio engineering degree. I didn't go to college for this so I I may be also skewed in what my thoughts are. And that's why I wanted Chris because he has an alternative viewpoint because he actually has an audio engineering degree, right?
1: Yeah, so I do and I have very fond memories of college. I had a blast and um, my the place where I went, I went to high university, high university. And uh, my advisor there, uh, God bless him, let me do a lot of independent study. So, I basically, you know, sort of really, really quick. My story is I was a musician. I was touring. It was, you know, I was selling a lot of CDs back when CDs sold. I made a lot of money. I reinvested that in gear and then started getting people to hire me to use that gear to make them records. And um, then I would turn those records in for independent studies. So by the time I graduated, I had more real world experience than, than most, than probably just about everybody else in my major combined. So I had released like, five or six records by the time I graduated OU and so I was in a very good spot um but again like the the, there was a tension you know like where you're told like no one at OU told me this in high school they always told me man you got to go to school the system will take care of you if you do what they say (laughs) then you'll graduate and the system will continue to take care of you and like maybe if you have like an accounting major or a teaching major, that's still true. But in something in an industry that's changing as quickly as audio, um, good luck. I mean, that's just, it's not really going to happen. And it wasn't really, I don't know, man, I've got really mixed emotions about it. I loved school. I, I graduated with a great education, though I was responsible for a lot of it because I had to get out into the marketplace and, uh, get people to hire me and I learned way more way more working for a customer any one of my customers when I was in college than I did in any of my audio classes
0: answer me this if you could take the money spent on college just whatever sum that was and put it into building out a home studio would you go back and do that or would you go back and do college Mm. that's
1: a tough question um, let me see if I can dodge that. Um, <laughs> I'm here to ask the tough questions. Yeah. Well, for from a purely business standpoint, investing that money in the business uh, probably would have been smarter. It uh, wouldn't have been possible, um, but there were a lot of other intangibles that college was fantastic. I met my wife there. I learned how to be a decent singer-songwriter and a decent performer because there was an awesome music community um, down in Athens, Ohio. I love Athens, Ohio. I I would, I'm considering moving back. I love Athens so much. Um, but so, so a, a little piece of my story there is, is, uh, God bless my mom and dad. They had saved since I was a baby and they paid for all of college except for like 0.1%. So it was about $55,000 as I graduated in 05. Do you think
0: you could have made better use of that 55,000 investing into your studio early on?
1: Yes. Um, I think, but I mean, like, I wouldn't. I don't think I would have been able to. You know, it was it was in a a, a specific type of investment account where my parents couldn't just like drain it and put it in my business. It had to be used for education. So, yeah. But as as a father myself, I've got three kids. You know, as I'm thinking about saving for their future, um, doing it in a way that would enable them to make the decision to start a business. I mean, fifty five thousand dollars in in startup money. For a 20 year old will get you a heck of an education in the real world.
0: Yeah, i've talked about this Uh, I did a facebook live for the uh, Unstoppable recording machine facebook community Uh, I think it's a private facebook group. It's only for paid members of nail the mix Which is a membership site for mixing heavy music if you're into that thing But I did a facebook live and I mentioned this I said I I I would challenge people to try doing the real world education whereas you're taking that money And you're moving to a city and you're dedicating one to two years of your life to trying to make it And with the with the thought that If I lose this money, I will have an education if I never get a penny out of this I will have an education from it. I will have connections. I'll have friends I'll have hopefully some clients and some gear to show for it and i'll have paid for my living for that year But fifty five thousand dollars goes a long way Even in an expensive city like nashville when it comes to just living if you do it frugally and you do it Smartly, if that's a word, smartly. Yes, I'm going to say that. Well, I word.
1: think that's, that's great advice. Um, would, I, would I go back and spend my college money on a business? Ha, did I have the opportunity, if I had the opportunity to? Maybe, um, but going back and taking a year off before college started um, to, to go out and live, travel, work, actually experience what our economy is actually like. Uh, yeah, that would have been, I would definitely do that if I had the chance to do it again, to delay college.
0: So what you're saying, what you're saying is you wanted to live the eat, pray, love life. <laughs>
1: exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Want to go to India and, you know, sleep in it on a floor in Tibet and stuff.
0: I've never read the book or seen the movie. If there's one, my, I just know about it because my girlfriend.
1: All right. So let's <laughs> talk about some of the topics of
0: what we think home studios lack in knowledge today. The things that they need to know that they don't know. We clearly can't cover everything because it's just the first episode of many to come. Hopefully. But that is some of the things that people really struggle with is, and we're not going to dive too deep into this right now, how to get more customers. That's like the number one problem most home studios have. I've polled my audience. That is by far the number one struggle they have. And there's a lot of ways to slice this issue. It's not just one little thing. Although the commonality is I want more customers. The reason why they don't have those customers are very diverse what do you have to say about this, Chris? What why, why are some of the common mistakes for home studios when they struggle? Well,
1: I'm, I'm passionate about this issue, and I, I feel like I can be a lot more direct um, I'm, I'm, uh, with this, and that I think one of the biggest reasons uh, that most studios don't have as many customers as they want is it's not that they're doing something wrong. It's that their philosophy is wrong. And there's a prevalent, um, prevalent? prevalent, I don't know. Prevalent, yeah. That's the word we'll use today. Prevalent
0: words are hard this morning.
1: There's a prevalent idea in the creative community and it's connected to this. If you build it, they will come. And it's this obsession with what are you worth? And this obsession with, well, if I get paid to do X, Y, Z creative activity, that validates that I am this guy that I want to be, or I am this girl that I want to be. And this isn't an audio issue. This is true in graphic design and animation uh, in logo design, in photography, it's all, well, I just want to be a professional. Well, why, why do you want to be a professional? It's not because you love it so much. It's it, You want to be validated by people giving you money and in our society, that's how we validate people. You're a good actor if you're a professional. You're a good audio engineer if you're a professional. That, I think starts to get at a big part of the issue of why most people are unsuccessful is they're not aiming at success. They're aiming at validation and that I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm preaching to myself from 10 years ago of I just wanted validation. That's all I wanted. And it's why I was unsuccessful. So I think the reason that most people lack customers is this obsession with, I want to be paid what I'm worth. And I like to talk to people, you know, I like to, Mentor younger audio engineers and and uh, small business owners, and there's when in the creative field, there's always this obsession with I want to be paid what I'm worth. And I I explained to him, okay, well, it's not so much what you're worth, it's what can keep you going. You know, if you're really truly passionate about making kick-ass art, you need a lot of clients to keep that train rolling, man. So you have to price yourself low so that you get enough work to continue. And I, and one of the things I like to talk about a lot uh, is, is this idea of under-promise, over-deliver. So I think, and Brian, you know, one of the phrases you've used a lot with me is adding value. When you're providing a service for someone, you have to give them more than what they bargained for. Not less, but more than what they bargained for so that they'll hire you again and tell their friends. And I think- what I see a lot is in studios where they lack the amount of customers that they want, it's because they don't give them more they don't give the customer more than they bargain for. They give them either just exactly what they agreed on, or most of the time, what they agreed upon, and two weeks late.
0: So let's talk about a couple things. Let's unwrap that just a little bit for those of you listening. First of all, adding value, I, I always tell people I don't always. I've been le- recently telling people this. Early in your career, or really at any point, when it comes to trying to maximize your price, it's a losing proposition. Always be willing to leave a little bit of money on the table, especially, and this is for you younger guys or newer guys, at least, especially when you're new. People that are trying to get exactly what they're worth are trying to extract exactly as much value as they're adding. And that leaves no additional value remaining. And value, I would say, is a very nebulous term. It's something that it's hard to define, but... What can you do to go above and beyond what you're being paid right now? Especially early on because you want those people to become advocates for you and your studio So if you've gone above and beyond what they've paid for They're going to love you and they're going to recommend their friends to you because you have done A a, a great job. Not only a great job, but you've also Given them a much higher value than what they've paid you but going back to The being paid the pricing yourself low like you talked about there's a couple ways to slice this and Maybe I want to play the devil's advocate here a little bit. pricing yourself low, what do you mean by pricing yourself low?
1: Well, I think you have to you have to price yourself low enough to make sure that you stay in business to make sure that you have a continual um, source of customers and you also have to price yourself low so that you have margin to deliver more value than they've than you're worth it's It's you know when I go to a restaurant and I order something and, you know, say it's a $10 hamburger and I eat the hamburger and I say, hmm, yeah, that, that hamburger was, that's, that was about a $10 hamburger. I'm not going to tell anybody about it. I'm not going to tell my friends. It's true. I'm not going to get on Yelp. I'm not going to post a review. But if I go to a, a restaurant and I order a $5 hamburger and that hamburger tastes like a $10 hamburger, I, I will tell everybody. I will get on Facebook immediately. I will post an Instagram picture of the hamburger. I'll post uh, you know, a picture of of you know whatever on Yelp. Like I will go above and beyond because oh my gosh, this is such a good deal. Everybody, come over here, check it out. This place is awesome. So I, I feel like for a lot of audio guys, what they're notorious for, and graphic designers, I most of my friends are graphic designers. I don't know why. It's weird. But graphic designers are are in the same boat of we in the creative community, we often overpromise and then underdeliver. We're notorious for that as a community,
0: which is a recipe for failure. No long-term success.
1: Yeah, you will never get customers if your reputation is, well, he promises more than he delivers.
0: Look at it this way. I, I tell people this: When you add value to someone, say you leave that five dollars on the table as a hamburger restaurant owner, and you could have charged 10, it's worth 10, but you charge five. Well, you're saying, well, he's leaving half the value on the table. That's bad business. Well, look at it from the other perspective. You're going to tell all your friends, so now all these people are coming to the restaurant. They're going to tell all their friends, so you have this web of referrals coming to you now. I don't. I wouldn't say always leave fifty percent on the table. There's no formula yeah, to this at yeah. all. Yeah, but there is a way to do more than what they paid for, or do more than what they asked for, or do more than what you uh, more than what you should do. A lot of times, and you newer guys actually have a huge huge advantage here, where you're able to. Because you have so much free time You have this awesome ability to spend that time to help artists Or bands or musicians in some way and that time or effort or whatever value you add there It won't always come back to you. But when it does come back to you, it will come back to you tenfold
1: Yeah, and I think a great point to add there is that margin that you leave on the table That's your marketing budget Ooh, If you're dirt poor, you can't afford marketing when you leave value on the table and you make sure the customer knows, hey, I told you I'd have this for you in a week. Here it is. It's Friday. I'm done. What do you think? When you do something like that, or or you say, Hey, I know we, you know, we're doing a live recording session. I know we only did five songs. This is going great. Let's just do a sixth song. Let's add, let's do something where the customer knows, oh my gosh, I got the hookup here. Oh my gosh, this is fantastic. If they know that, that's your marketing budget. you can invest your time in marketing instead of your money. And for you guys that don't have enough cash to do marketing, to get the word out there, hey, I'm good at this thing, you should come hire me. It's that when you leave value on the table, when you charge less than what you are worth, that creates marketing and that people go out. This isn't some idea that me and Brian hatched up on our own. You know, we're not that smart. Like if, if you sit down, if you go to the library and check out all the business books they have, a lot of the business books are going to tell you the same thing.
0: Let's talk about something that you've mentioned to me that I have not gotten to in this book yet. I'm reading a book right now called Made to Stick. Mm, love that book. I would. So far, I recommend it. I have so many notes and underlines. This is the most annotated book that I've ever read so far, and I'm only like two chapters <laughs> into it. <laughs> That's yeah. awesome. Uh, what is the fundamental attribution error?
1: Chip and Dan, he blew my mind in this book. They talked about the fundamental attribution error. And the fundamental attribution error is this idea of you say, I am XYZ or I am ABC and therefore I cannot change. This is who I am. It's part of my character.
0: Let me give you an example of this. Someone that says, I am bad at names. I am bad at remembering names. I'm guilty of this. I'm trying to change this myself because after talking about this, I'm like, shit, I do this. I am bad at names. Unpack this for me.
1: Yeah. So it's saying I am bad at this or I'm not a reader. I'm not really a business guy. I'm not re- you know fill in the blank that is is really bad thinking to just say I am this and therefore that. yeah quit that that
0: type of thinking. think about like I am not good at business yet, so I should be maybe reading some business books. I am not a reader, so maybe you download audiobooks instead. <laughs> I'm a huge audiobook listener. Uh, maybe Chris is not as much, but I love uh, taking in audiobooks. A lot of books though uh, they don't make good audiobooks. Story-based books i'll go ahead and say are great for audiobooks But some of the more tactical things where you want to underline and write notes Maybe that's better for a physical book But if you are trying to get started in reading just go do audiobooks at the very least.
1: Yeah Well, and I think a good a good way to really tear To, re- to really bring this to a point Is the fundamental attribution error is saying i'm not good at xyz Therefore, I will always not be good at x y and z and I will never try to be better. Yeah If you're this deep into a podcast about, you know, having your home studio make more money, you know, like pay attention to this. I'm knocking (laughs) on my microphone, pretend it's your car window or whatever. Passionate people have the grit to do the things they don't want to do to further the things they want to do. And 99 times out of 100, that's a listening to a podcast, reading a book, watching documentaries. It's it's taking in more information I will say that's one thing that both Chris and I have
0: is a a massive amount of curiosity for different things, different areas, different fields, education, just learning things. Like, I want to know more. I'm just a naturally curious person in life. And I just think that's an awesome way to be as a human being is just infinitely curious about everything. Why? Ask why always.
1: Totally. But I guess what I'm trying to say, it, it is one of the most fun things in the world to see somebody who was interested in something sort of passionate to suddenly take the bull by the horns and to start self-educating. They start buying books on Amazon. They start listening to um, podcasts. They start getting audiobooks. They start watching every documentary on the subject they can find on, you know, all over the internet. When you see someone take the bull by the horns and become, the word is autodidactic. It means to self-educate. When you see someone become an autodidactic, I'm i'm probably pronouncing that wrong. So we'll have to edit that out if (laughs) that's fine No, don't even don't even do it.
0: It's just if it's pronounced wrong It's just proof that you don't have to be the most talented person in the
1: world to get ahead You can be dumb like me and still (laughs) pull this off but you have to be a self-educator and it's when passion drives you to self-education That's the root of all success Mm.
0: Let's talk about a couple other things before we we start to wrap this up um Reasons we want to have this podcast, why we think this podcast can be helpful to you guys and girls. And that's learning the hard way is not always the best way. It is a good lesson. I've learned a lot of my most memorable lessons the hard way. And that's, I say by default, how I learn. But when I can see other people's mistakes and hear people talk through their errors and their pains and frustrations and what they did to overcome that or to avoid those things, if there's any other way I can learn besides the hard way, I want to learn that way and I want anyone listening to this to when they're listening to guests Which we're going to go over the show format and what we have planned for the future uh, If you can learn the the easy way from other people's hard learned mistakes lessons, whatever uh, I want that to be something that you can take away from this.
1: Yeah, you might you might even go on to say um if you've been learning the hard way hopefully you've learned the hard way that learning the hard way is not always the best way. (laughs) And that that's your, well, I learned the hard way that learning isn't, that the hard way isn't always the best way. And wow, all the problems I have in my small business or making my passion into a career, there's a whole lot of books about that. Hmm. And a lot of them are fantastic. And it doesn't even really matter which one you pick so long as you just start. You know, you start self-educating.
0: And that is it for the very first episode of the Six Figure Home Studio Podcast. But before I just leave you off, I kind of wanted to give you an idea of what we hope the format of the show to be in the future. This is just what we hope it could change drastically. We could end up cutting things out or not doing things that we plan on doing, but this is the gist of what we plan to do or hope to do. We obviously want to interview other home studio owners or other successful studio owners that we can learn from. If there is someone that has a studio that we can learn from, whether it's a commercial studio or a home studio, whether they're well-known or whether they're unknown, Uh, I want to interview them. We both want to interview them So if you have anyone to suggest uh, i'm going to tell you how to contact us in a second But while interviewing other studio owners or people in the music industry are awesome That's not necessarily where we want all of our interviews to go We still want to interview what we would consider an expert at something Something that is valuable to our audience something that is valuable to you And that opens up a very very big world of possibilities. There can be people not even remotely close to the music space but have some sort of valuable information to teach us as business owners, because business is universal. There are small changes, whether you're a freelancer or whether you're running a massive corporation, but the fundamentals and principles are very much the same between a CEO of a Fortune 500 company, uh, when it comes to self-improvement leadership, that kind of thing, uh, and a solo entrepreneur that is just trying to get started in his parents' basement. There are a lot of similarities in the things you need to learn to be successful. We want to interview those people as long as we think it will be helpful for you. So if you have people that you would like us to interview, This is where i'm going to ask you to contact us in a second i'll give you the way to do that We don't know how many of these interviews we're going to do It depends on how valuable they are to you and what sort of feedback we get from you again We're going to talk about how to submit feedback to us because this is super important In a second, but we don't plan on stopping at just interviewing successful studio owners or successful businesses outside of the home studio world whether that's social media experts or paid advertising experts or Psychology experts, whatever that happens to be. We also want to interview what I would consider a struggling home studio owner And This is what we call hot seat episodes I honestly think these would be one of the most valuable types of episodes that we can do Because it's us sitting down chris and I sitting down on a recorded interview Walking someone that is struggling through their problems It allows us to dig deep into the issue that they're struggling with or issues And then you can just sit in like a fly on the wall to kind of see what conclusion we walk them to But like we mentioned earlier in today's episode learning from other people's mistakes is the best way to learn because it allows you to keep from learning the hard way. But by doing these hot seat episodes, it not only gives you listeners a chance to listen to us talk through the struggles of someone exactly in the same position as you, it also opens up the opportunity of perhaps you being the person we interview. So if you are interested in getting in the hot seat, we'll talk about how to contact us for that in a second or 30 seconds. And then finally, we plan to do the occasional Just duo or solo episode depending on our travel schedules or whatever chris and I will sit in for short in-between episodes as they are called in the podcast world In between the major episodes or the long episodes Maybe 10 15 20 minute episodes of chris and I walking through one specific lesson These will probably be more actionable and focus on one specific topic Because I know interviews can kind of go all over the place and hopefully leave you with some sort of step You can take in your business or life to improve But this is the super important part of this episode Podcasts are very much a one-way conversation between chris and me And it goes off into the world with no feedback (laughs) Generally podcasts are very much one way. It's hard to get feedback from anyone on these types of things It's a one-way conversation. It's very awkward for us. We're just right now. I'm sitting in my studio talking to a microphone alone There's not a soul in sight (laughs) And the last thing chris and I want to do is create a podcast Around what we think you want or around what we think you need and we definitely do not want to create a podcast if no one wants it If this is not something that you think is going to be helpful for you Or if you do think it's something that's going to be helpful for you We need your feedback and this is where if you look at the last things I said about all these different reasons to contact us You can reach us at Podcast at the six figure home And chris and I will read every single email if you want to suggest a guest If you want to suggest an idea for the podcast if you just want to tell us that you want the podcast in general, we want that sort of feedback from you. Again, we're in an echo chamber right now. We're just coming up with ideas of what we think will be helpful for you based on what we think our audience wants or needs. And if you don't want this, tell us that. If you don't need this, tell us that. If you have some great ideas on what we could do to help you in your struggles, ask us. You can email us at again podcast at the six com. Coming up on the next episode is my interview with Chris. You're going to get to hear his backstory what he did to become successful, what, he, what his pivotal point was in his career and how he uses paid advertising to fuel his business. Again, we're releasing at least the first three episodes at the same time, so you'll be able to binge the next one immediately. But that is it for the first episode. Remember, it sucks to suck, so always keep learning. Goodbye. Whoa.